0: Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so you have access to new content as soon as it comes out. And don't forget to share it so you can be a part of that ripple effect of Go Be Love. And if you're someone who's struggling with the Go Be Love concept, if you're someone sitting at home hurting, think you'd benefit from some coaching, or if you're an organization that's just looking to add chaplains into your workforce, go to gobeloveinc.com and schedule a free 15-minute session with me now. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for coming back to Go Be Love podcast. We have had a pretty fun season talking all about the coronavirus, the pandemic, and just how people have overcome it and how people have oh, just used it to change their mindset and um, become a part of that ripple effect. And so we are going to talk today with Michelle from Michelle's Little Free Pantry, who I've gotten to know through the pandemic and because I started Go Be Love and then that whole interaction on, on social media. So, Michelle, uh, you came all the way from Franklin, so thank you so much for coming up here today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. So, um, what's really cool is Gobi Love started as a reaction to the the pandemic, right? I was stuck at home. Everyone was scared. I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm a former addict, so I knew sitting at home by myself wasn't going to be healthy. And so, kind of that whole idea, you know, through meditation and prayer, of Gobi Love started. What? what is, it is now is because of the the pandemic, right? Like, had it not been for that, I might not have seen or, or been motivated. But what I really love about you is that you had, like, crazy foresight or just a good heart a long time ago. So you started Michelle's Little Free Pantry in 2017, right? Yes. Awesome.
1: I put a cabinet outside my house February 2017,
0: yes. Cool. So why don't you just well, – let's talk about that. Like, how did that start? Was that something you saw and just – Where did that come from?
1: Well, if we remember um, in 2016, there was a lot of political divide, especially in the fall. And we thought that was, you know, the worst thing that could possibly happen at the time. (laughs) Um, But everyone was just so um, angry and divided, um, feeling really hopeless. And I kept seeing these free little pantries popping up on social media. And every single time I saw them, I thought, I could do that that's just so easy. And there's so many things that we see that pop up and we say, Oh yeah, we could do that, but we don't actually do it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think, um, you know, the election happened and everything. And it just, just seemed really dismal to a lot of people and not just on a particular side. I think it was on, clear across the nation. So um, it was a really cold February day. And um, I was just like, I have to do this. I have to do this right now. So I said, "Um, I don't have anything. And I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm going to put something outside my house. And I put a call out and a friend found a wooden cabinet and a dumpster and um, put it together and put some plexiglass in and we stuck it out there. I put four cans in there, a roll of toilet paper, made a Facebook page and told all my friends to follow it and share it. And that was the birth of the pantry.
0: That's awesome. So just a moment of fear, right? You saw fear, you saw just and your way of confronting that, right? Instead of joining in was to provide just this, this comfort on your porch.
1: There was just, it just seemed like everything was just so big and you know, you don't feel like you can actually do anything. You know, you say you want to do your part, go vote or, you know, whatever. And um, that was something that I could do. And I could do it right side, right outside of my house um, with my kids. So mm-hmm. that was, it was just a perfect match for me. That's awesome.
0: That's the comfort I found during the pandemic too with Kobe Love was everything was out of my control. But this family needed some diapers and I could pick them up and drive them. And mm-hmm. so I could control that. And that gave me, right, some comfort. Like, I could ignore the stuff that I have no control over and just take care of the little needs that I can and those little blessings, you know, let them go. So, that's really cool. So, from 2017 to 2020, right, before the pandemic, you had a little free pantry. And did – you have two now, right? Yes. When did the second one come about?
1: Well, I – was delivering food to a friend. Um, He was bachelor and so he didn't cook or anything. So I was just taking him some food that I cooked at his new tattoo parlor. And um, this woman was standing at the counter and we started talking and we just hit it off like instantly. So her name is Christina Nelson Canfield. And she started following the pantry and we, you know, we're friends on Facebook and everything. And then um, I was looking for more help. And she just jumped in. And said, I love what you're doing. Let's do this. And then one day she literally said, oh, I put a cabinet outside of my house. And so we have a Greenwood location now. (laughs) And I couldn't have handpicked anyone. Um, I couldn't have handpicked the situation, the setting, or anything by myself. Um, It was just absolutely meant to be. And um, she's one of the very best things that's ever happened to me.
0: Awesome. So tell me about, like, your background when you... Is now I know I, I follow you a lot on social media so I see you're really involved in the community Johnson County you you're in like these courses I see you taking you've partnered with Franklin community of Franklin College on some stuff so how how did that happen how did you go from you know a roll of toilet paper and three cans and a, a cabinet out of the dumpster to like what it is right now or pre-pandemic
1: I do have to say that um I think this part matters. Um, I am a Korean adoptee and Franklin, it has a 95.4% white demographic. And so um, I was adopted by a white family, just like most Korean adoptees are, you know, clear across America. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, growing up in Franklin, um, everyone knew my mom and dad. So um, I was just Mike and Kathy's daughter. And so a lot of growing up and um, growing into myself as an adult was also um, recognizing the racism that I experienced growing up, and maybe I was too naive to realize it at the time, but also um, getting out into the world, um, also a lot of internalized racism that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a real eye-opening experience, you know, when you get out into the world and meet other people and see other cultures and experience um, the world. um, It just really makes you just see everything differently, and realize that um, I actually, you know, I, ha- I was different in Franklin, and um, of course I had like, you know, the microaggressions and the Asian jokes growing up and everything, um, but I just think, um, especially, to, you know, 2016, and of course things that led up to that, um, there was just so much racial divide and everything. And for me, I just know that when – although my whole community is primarily, you know, um, Caucasian and everything, um, you know, all of these stories about all of this um, hate and everything, um, I could identify more with the black community um, and, you know, the immigrants that Mm -hmm. were being attacked and all of the hatred and violence. I could uh, identify with that side Um, almost immediately. I remember when um, my uncle married a Korean woman and I had Korean food for the first time when I was 24, like ever. (laughs) And I remember when I first, I took the first bite, I thought this is what home feels like. (laughs) I I mean, how would you know that? I mean, I I was six months old when I came to Franklin, my parents got me, but that's exactly how I felt with um, this whole racial issues and everything is that, there were people out there that were experiencing things and feeling things I couldn't, you know, articulate my whole life. Um, so. So that that's where
0: motivated you to jump in. I and didn't see
1: realize it, it at the time, but, um, there are a lot of things, you know, we go through in life, you know, uh, we have whatever difficulties and whatnot, but, um, you know, I've been primarily a single mother. Um, uh, my, second husband, he's the father of my two little boys. They're eight and nine. I have two sets of kids. So my big kids are 21, 22, and 25. And then my little boys are eight and nine. And their father is a person of addiction. And so um, in 2013, I had to kick him out. So I had three teenagers and two infants, pretty much, primarily. And so um, I do have a lot of um, wonderful family support, but also I got a lot of community support and a lot of help. Um, There was a church that helped us for two Christmases. Um, So that's very humbling. Mm. And, uh, you know, you see things through with addiction. And um, it just opens up a whole different world of things that you think are true about life. And um, not everything is black and white. So that was just a lot of it. It's just yeah. seeing things from a different angle. than um, I grew up very privileged, but there are a lot yeah. of things that have definitely kept me in a spot where I knew that I belonged, but then yet I didn't. So I think that's why doing this just made sense to me, and it was natural. It yeah. wasn't something... You know, so so many people say, "How do you do this? You're such an angel." You know, this is just amazing what you do. And for me, I'm thinking, I don't know. I feel like this is what we should be doing all the time.
0: For sure, yeah. That was that's one of the challenges with GoBe Love is is how to keep it going. Now that people feel like they don't really need it anymore, right? Um, is how to keep that going. So, how did you? I mean, you built up 2017 all the way to 2020. So, let's talk a little bit about the pandemic, and just going into the grocery stores and seeing literally one package, which we experienced in Franklin, we saw one package of hot dogs in the entire meat section. And um and so that came unexpected. No, you know, we not a lot of us knew it was coming or really weren't aware or prepared for that. And there was a few people like you who had prepared for years, right for this moment. So let's talk about that just the beginning days and then how that unfolded and what it is now today?
1: Well, I think panic was um, the biggest word um, in the beginning of all of this on so many different levels. Um, And of course, Christina and I were very panicked because not only were we already feeding the community, but knowing that this could double, triple, quadruple what we were doing already. um, Honestly, we just... We just had to breathe through it. I think because we didn't stress too much. There's only so much you can do in that kind of situation. We just kept making the calls out and everyone was panicked. And I think everyone wanted to still help other people. Um, Even when there was just one package of hot dogs, like you said. um, I think people found out that there was more than enough to share. I think there were a lot of people that were experiencing that... um, You know, a lot of people who are living in poverty, they are constantly living, you know, moment to moment. You're just constantly putting out fires. And I think for the first time, um, so many middle America was having that feeling and experienced that for the very first time. And I think that that was very humbling for a lot of people because a lot of people say they want to help, you know, and they do, and it does help. But until you actually feel that, and are in that situation.
0: um, Yeah, that true empathy is hard. You don't know the
1: empathy, and maybe not even really the true effect of your giving.
0: That's that's beautiful. I mean, it was terrifying then. And you, so, I've never, I haven't asked you this question yet, and I really don't know if our answers are the same, but there have got to be times where people come in, and they take more than what, They probably should, or the same people come back, or you've got to hear, somebody has to tell you, why are you doing this? What about the people who take and don't need it? So what's your perspective on just that mindset and that that, that point of heart, I
1: guess? Um, I would say that just like with teachers or pastors or whatever calling there is, um, I think that you just have to be the right person for that role. And, um, I'm in a network of free pantries nationally and, you know, you get a lot of complaints about vandalism, you know, people clearing it out and everything. And a lot of people say, I can't do this. You know, I don't know why I'm doing this. If this is what's going to happen. Um, Christina and I, and like I said, she's a gift that just came to me. I mean, I could not have, there's no way I could have done this, but, um, she came to me as a gift and we are so like-minded And um, we don't care. (laughs) If somebody came and destroyed our pantry, we would just deal with it and we would rebuild. Um, We do not do what we do to make people do what they're supposed to do. We do what we do because we can. This is what we have. This is our gift. And this is what we do. Um, You know, a lot of people want us to, to, you know make rules and regulations and everything and we can't and um especially during the pandemic um you know we do not require any documentation we don't ask any questions um of course we've been cleared out a few times you know mm-hmm. it I'm not going to lie it's frustrating <laughs> especially if it's somebody that we've seen you know you know a few times but if we have seen them we probably have already established some kind of relationship with them so we can have some kind of conversation and it usually goes a lot better than you know it's it's
0: a question i get all the time is just like what about you know for doing like fundraisers for toys for for kids and like i was in foster care and i remember many christmases where the only present i got came from the welfare department they would drive out and bring one you know um so we do that now and they're like well these, you know, this family, they they drive this kind of car. They don't need a new toy or anything like that, right? And, um or whatever the case is, food, all of that. There's constantly messages coming through my Facebook. This person doesn't really need this. this. And for me, it's just about heart. Like our job, what we're called to do is if we have it, is to give. And then that's it, right? Our Our job is done there. You yes. know what I mean? We don't get to really police what happens to it after we've given freely right we just give freely so Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you answered that way I was you know I was open to whatever your answer was because there are there are some times where we need regulations and rules and and we need that to cohesively make sure that everybody's taken care of but but with that concept of the free pantry I just love it and I've actually been to your pantry a couple times and Christina's it's anytime that there's an overflow of what we can't hold in our little pantry that we do is mobile, right? So we have like a little pantry that we hold on to. When people need it, we can drive it to them. And anytime there's overflow, I send them to yours. I've been, been to yours many times. It's such a sweet thing because you don't even have to really communicate. You you just drive up if you have something and you drop it off. And if you need something, you just drive off and take it. And that's one of the things I have it saved on my phone is – one of the reasons I knew me and you were needed to work together right away is um, the whole Gobi love started with a post that said if you, if you need help, ask, and if you can help, help. And your little free pantry logo on your website is take what you need, give if you can, which is essentially the same exact thing. So I knew right when I saw that, like, we're on the same wavelength here, you know, it's just about what you can do. And I know we're getting close to the end of this episode, but we're going to have you back again. And we're going to talk all about like building a pantry, what people can do and that continue that mindset of just serve and then stop there and then serve and. And, but before we go, you've got another quote on your website, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. And, I, that's the Lorax, but I just love that. So as I was like looking through your site and looking through your Facebook, I was just like over and over, it just resonated with so many of the concepts that started go be love in this podcast. So I love that real quick, um, just a minute you have to, to tell everybody, um, What do you have to say to just inspire people and let them know it's all going to be okay?
1: Well, obviously, I'm going to say that anybody can put a pantry outside of their house. I mean, there's HOAs and everything. But um, the number one thing is we have so many people who come to us that um, are in need of assistance, and they feel like they don't have anything to offer. And I will tell you that um, there are probably um, about 100 people in the last four years that have given back. Or have done something else um, because of the experience that they've had with the pantry, and you know I don't want to take credit for that for myself, but if everyone just knew that they had that power to empower other people in that moment, um, it's really magical because I've seen some really beautiful stories out of people's lives when they were f- coming from their very lowest moments.
0: Awesome, yeah. And that's, I think, where we're going to wrap up with that lesson is just, again, I think it's kind of the ripple effect of that concept of, the, of this whole season is that ripple effect and the power that you have. Um, you know, we've heard Ashley about storage totes saved her life. And we've heard Jojo and his tat, this tattoo artist who saved his life and, and the hundreds of people that you've seen and Nicole and all the things that she's done. So all the people all season and just the ripple effect of what their one good act or one good deed, their one cabinet, their one roll of toilet paper can do. And so I just urge all of you, as you're finding comfort, as thing you're getting easing back into your life, to just look out and find some way that you can be of service, some way, something that you can establish now, that you can start to grow that ripple effect in your community and in your family. And next week, we're going to talk to Michelle again, all about um, just building a little free pantry and what you can do to take action right now. So until then, know that I hear you, I see you, and I love you. Be love.